Merry Christmas, church family. How are we doing? Excellent. I am excited. I am, uh, my name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Looking forward to today and the coming Sundays. And uh, I'm really thankful that uh, Pastor Ted and his team are teaching us that song. It's going to be a great Easter song as well, right? Jesus alive and giving us new life. Uh, But one of the reasons I'm excited about them teaching it to us is there was a line in there that you may have caught that said, my orphan heart was given a name. My name's Derek, and my orphan heart was given a name. And and I want to tell you this morning as we get started, you may or may not have known this, that you are adopted. And some of you are thinking, well, yeah, I am. Because that's been your experience, your earthly experience. You've had an, an opportunity to be adopted into a family. And perhaps there might be some of you that are they're sitting there as I say, you are adopted, that might look this way and that and say, who me? Adopted? What's that all about? So that's the, this is where we're at. Today is the first of a three-week uh, Christmas teaching series called Adopted. And uh, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. What does us all have to do? Uh, what is the term adopted? What does adoption have to do with us? Why is this what we're talking about for our Christmas series? Uh, many of you know that, um, uh, already know enough about me to know that this is a, a topic that is dear to my family and I because um, about three years ago, October 2014, our family grew from four to six, from two kids to four kids. My wife and I, uh, my wife Amy and I, uh, three plus years ago, had one daughter and one son. And for the last few years, I am thrilled and thankful to say that Amy and I have two sons and two daughters. And uh, you can see there our family. Um, Kaylin's 14. She's in the back row. In front of her is Trevor, uh, 11. Those are our two biological kids. And then Mia, 11. And uh, Chris, 8, came into our family uh, in October 2014. And... uh, and then um, they were officially, they were already part of our family, but it became official. Their last names became, officially became Olson in April of 2016. So, if you'll allow me, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about our adoption journey. Is that all right? Will you allow me to tell you a little bit more? Um, I want to start at the beginning. I want to talk a little bit about our adoption journey, and I want to start at the beginning. And to start at the beginning, I need to start with telling you about how God uh, led my wife Amy to be interested in adoption. Uh, Amy, for for a variety of reasons, has long, long, long had a heart for adoption. I think this is just the way God made her. She's had a heart for adoption since she was a child. Um, And and then, uh, as she was raised in her family and going to church, they uh, partnered with their church and were involved in a ministry that came actually up from California here to Oregon to serve a family uh, that had a lot of adoptive children with special needs. And so that was part of her upbringing. And then, uh, when Amy was 13, they adopted her older brother, Steve. And Steve was actually 19 when he was adopted, so not technically in need of legal adoption, but really a great opportunity for their family to, to learn and to grow together. And I know for my wife that the adoption of her brother, Steve, was an opportunity for her to see her parents offering sacrificial love. And I know she got to see firsthand of what difference it makes when we give someone a family, right? So that's how God uh, 
has been working in, in my wife and, and leading her over many years toward adoption. And then what about me? Well, uh, as you get to know me, you may or may not already know, I, I tend to be a pretty tender-hearted guy. I've long had a soft spot uh, for the need for adoption, for the significant need that there is in our world near and far for children that need families. And so um, I, I, I have often uh, been moved to tears. I mean, part of, part of my, the way God has wired me is a soft spot of tenderness or anything related to family, related to parent-child relationships. And so I've long had this, um, this uh, soft spot and, uh, you know, that moves me to tears frequently. And, and so there was always that. And, I, you know, I'd see oper- option, um, I would see examples of adoption and I would, and I would be moved. But I never quite knew if it was for our family, for Amy and I. God had just not taken me quite that far. I knew that it was important. I knew that God wanted to care for those children. I just wasn't yet sure if that was for our family. But wait, I said I wanted to start at the beginning. And I didn't. I didn't start at the beginning. That's not the beginning of our adoption story. So let me back up. Let's rewind a bit. Uh, Our adoption story uh, began long before that. So I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 1 in the Bible. And you can flip there if you'd like. But today I'm going to do a little different than I normally do. I'm going to put all the scriptures on the screen. I know I normally have you follow along in the book, but just to be honest, I'm going to be a lot of different places in our Bibles. (laughs) So I'm going to put it on the screen today. So uh, let me take you to Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him when, remember I said I wanted to read this passage and think about the beginnings of our adoption journey. When did our adoption journey begin? Even as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. It continues on the next screen. In love, God predestined us for what? Adoption. Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Before the creation of the world, he predestined us to adoption as sons. And let me quickly say, we're going to hear son and sonship language today. This is adopting you, both men and women, to be his children But you know what's really great about son language? Is son was legal term for heir. And if you men and women can become children of God, you are both heirs to an inheritance from God. So this is a good thing. This is not excluding you ladies. This is including all of us who are in Jesus as heirs. So now, Now, if I look to you, I said it a few minutes ago, but now if I look to you again and I say, you are adopted, there should be a little less surprise, right? There should be a little more understanding now. Because if you are a Christian, friends in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have trusted your life to Christ, you have been adopted into God's family. And so now when I say you are adopted, 
it's not as much of a surprise. And so this is, is really um, at the heart of what we're going to be talking about these, these three Sundays, is what I'll call vertical adoption. This idea that we have an adoption, God the Father adopting us to be his children. And uh, that's what adoption is. Adoption, according to the Bible, is an act of God by which he makes us members of his family. So that's what is going to be kind of underlying today and the next two Sundays. This idea of the doctrine of adoption, the biblical teaching of adoption, that adoption is an act of God by which he makes us members of his family. Now, Christmas, it's Christmas time. So does this fit in at Christmas? Check this out. This time of year, we are preparing to celebrate and rejoice about this. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Merry Christmas, Faith Church. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. This is Jesus, the same, the God-man, fully God, fully human that we've been studying about for weeks and weeks and months, right? The God-man, God himself come to be with us. It says there, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to rescue those who were under the law. Why? God sent forth his son. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. Christmas is the perfect time to be reminded of this. Christmas is the perfect time to be reminded of the doctrine of adoption. Christmas should remind us of God's pursuit of you. That God comes after you. Christmas is, 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 at Christmas time, we should be reminded that Jesus is our hope. That Jesus is light entering into darkness. And that through Jesus, we can be adopted as his kids, as God's kids, into God's family. Fellow Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are chosen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a wanted, loved child of God. Now think about that. We got we to have this sink in. That the great God of the universe sent forth his son to rescue and to adopt us into his family. And if the amazing blessing and hope and good news that's in that isn't quite sinking in, let me give you some quotes from some uh, pastors and scholars and authors. about the, And let me show you some of the things they would say about the doctrine of adoption. John Piper calls adoption greater than the universe. That sounds pretty over the top, doesn't it? But we just read in Ephesians 1... That God, from before the foundations of the world, from before the creation of everything, had adoption in mind. Um, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, writes that adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The gospel, remember, uh, remember the gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done to make it possible for sinful, rebellious you and me to be in relationship with a perfect and holy God. The gospel is the good news that Jesus, through Jesus, we sinners can be in relationship 
with a holy God. And look at what Packer says in Knowing God, that the highest privilege of the good news is adoption. And Tony Merida writes that adoption is the apex of God's redemptive grace. Wow, those are lofty statements, right? How can they say such big things? Well, when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we put our trust in Jesus, God rescues us from sin and death. And when we entrust ourselves to Christ, a lot of amazing things happen in quick succession. So I want us to think for a second, what all happens when we entrust ourselves to Christ? When we become followers of Jesus, what are some aspects of our salvation? And some, I feel like, I don't know about your experience, but I feel like some of our, the aspects of our salvation are things that I'm more, uh, I've heard more often as I've, as I've been a Christian, things I'm more familiar with from the Bible. Things like, uh, we think of a, of a theological term called regeneration, where when you become a follower of Christ, God's spirit indwells us and, and, and gives us new life, a new spiritual life, new birth. We have a new heart. We're made new. That's an incredible aspect of our salvation, right? Another aspect of our salvation kind of is, a le- is kind of like a legal term called justification, where when we are saved, when we become followers of Jesus, we are made right with God. Our sins are forgiven, and, our re- and, we, are, and we are reconciled. We are, we are declared not guilty. There's sort of this legal good news. Are you with me? Regeneration, justification, these are things that are parts of our salvation in Jesus. And those are great and amazing. And then somehow, by God's grace, there's more. Adoption is an aspect of our salvation that adds relationship. Not only are we legally okay with God, not only are we Does he forgive us? Not only does he give us new life, but adoption, the adoption aspect of our salvation is that we can be in relationship with God as Father. Galatians 3.26 on the screen tells us that in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. Remember, you, men and women, sons of God, children of God, Heirs of God. It's an incredible reality that when we put our faith in Jesus, God responds. One of the ways that God responds is by adopting us into his family. It's not just God on high, set apart and on follow, looking down on us and saying, okay, I forgive you. Which is great. Which is needed. But this is a God who, as part of his, the, with the salvation that is offered through Jesus, also opens his arms and welcomes us in to his family as father. So fellow Christian, uh, you were chosen. You are a wanted child. This is such an incredible reality that God does this, that the apostle John wrote this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Because adoption is an act of God by which we are made 
members of his family. And so this is the, the vertical adoption that we're going to be talking about today and the next couple of Sundays, that God adopts us into his family. But I want us to also see that horizontal adoption, what I'll call horizontal adoption or human to human, what we see happen around us in our families, earthly adoption, I believe that horizontal adoption can really help us understand and see some incredible truths about our God. That I believe that as we consider what horizontal adoption looks like, we get amazing insights into our vertical adoption. Are you with me? So as we continue, I, I want to say this too. Uh, this is not only, I mean, this is not about my family. This is near and dear to my heart because of what God has, has done and is doing in my family. But as I describe to you and as we talk today and the next couple Sundays about horizontal adoption, this is not just about my family. Uh, there are so many families that are part of Faith Church, that are part of our church family, that, have been, that are families that are touched by adoption, that have connections with adoption and foster care. And I've been asking for you to share some of those stories with me. And I've, we've compiled quite a list of quite a number of you who have been adopted or are adoptive parents or are foster parents or were a foster child or are raising children that are not your biological children, but perhaps a niece or a, or a grandchild. And if not any of those things, so many in our church family are also serving adoptees, foster kids, adoptive families with their love and care for those families. And so I think as we consider what God is doing in our church family, not just the Olsons, but so many, as we consider horizontal adoption, we get glimpses of what God has done for us in our vertical adoption. I don't tell the story of, of our adoption journey. I don't tell the story of our adoption journey for you to be impressed with the Olsons. I tell you the story of our adoption journey because I want you to hear what adoption is teaching us about our great God, and I want you to be impressed by him. Okay? So when I left off the story of, of God leading us to horizontal adoption, I mentioned that while God had moved in my heart and I, and, I, and I certainly saw the need, I wasn't sure if God would have adoption in store for our family. Well, over a long period of time, in a, in a whole variety of ways, God made it increasingly clear to me, increasingly very clear to me, that our family was not complete. And it was great for God to move in my heart and mind and bring me in line with my wife, my best friend and partner in marriage and parenthood partner. And so God used a variety of ways to move my heart to be prepared and to be ready for this. And that gave Amy and I opportunities to continue talking about it and praying about it and thinking about so many things and then that gave us an opportunity to talk about it some more. <laughs> that gave us some opportunity to pray about it some more and ask God to show us what he had in store. And as we did that, uh, sensing God's leading, we took initiative. Uh, we made steps. We took action to pursue what, God, what children God had for our family. And what that looked like was committing, as, we, as Amy and I discussed, committing to one another that we would begin 
the process of uh, adopting through foster care with the time we lived in San Diego County. So we began, we were committed to beginning the process of becoming approved for uh, foster care and for adoption in San Diego County. So what does that process look like? Some of you know, we, that, that was a lot of paperwork that was being interviewed, that was having our home evaluated, um, and that was uh, some uh, taking classes and, and some time going by and quite this process. And along the way, as we began taking those practical steps, taking initiative to find the children that God had for us, God confirmed and confirmed and confirmed that that's what he had for us. And, and then somewhere along the way, then we officially declared our readiness for, um, to receive kids into our home, to receive kids into our family. So, so what was going on in, in us that whole time? What, how was God preparing us? What did we know about what we were looking forward to or what uh, would be going on with our family? I want to tell you something. I think this is a really important aspect. Uh, because of our belief in the providence of God, providence of God is uh, that, that our God orchestrates all things and all people according to his perfect purposes. You with me? And because of our belief in the providence of God, I think one way God prepared us to receive kids into our home was because we knew about, we, we trusted God's providence, we knew that whoever, uh, God, that God would connect us with just the kids he had for our family. We believe the providence of God so much that when San Diego County calls, we were going to consider it God calling, right? So we committed, Amy and I committed to, um, to one another and, and before our kids, um, and before our kids were even in our home, I mean, we committed that we would be whatever they needed for as long as they needed it. And, uh, and at that time, before the kids were even in our home, at that time, the two that would become our two younger kids, they hadn't done anything. They hadn't done anything to earn our willingness to receive them. They hadn't done anything to deserve us to care for them. They hadn't reached out for it. They hadn't asked for it. We hadn't even met them yet. They didn't, uh, and then when our two came into our home, they didn't ask us to be adopted. They didn't come to us and, 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 and want that situation. We pursued them. We wanted them. We chose them. And we gave them the opportunity to receive us as their parents, as their family. So uh, we got a call on a Tuesday afternoon. I believe it would be October 14th, 2014. We got a call on a Tuesday afternoon about a boy and a girl who needed to move from their foster home to an adoptive home. And uh, they needed to move tomorrow. And we said, bring them over. And the next day at 3 p.m., after being picked up at their school and being told that they were moving, the next day, did I mention that? At 3 p.m., they arrived after school, they moved into our house, they unpacked what little they had, and they'll never leave. 
Well, let me qualify that. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never leave being part of our family. I hope all four of my children will mature to the point where they move up, move, uh, get up, and move out, right? But our, I believe that our pursuing horizontal op- adoption has taught me incredible things about our vertical adoption. And so I don't tell the story so you'll be impressed by the Olsons. I want us to consider horizontal adoption so that we'll see what God has in mind for us in our vertical. David Platt who is a pastor and an adoptive father, wrote this. Listen, David Platt writes this. Adoption begins with the parent's initiative, not the child's invitation. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel because nothing in the Christian life is born out of our merit, out of our earning, out of our having to live up to something. Everything in the Christian life is born out of God's mercy. If you are in Jesus, before you were born, God was planning and working toward adopting you. Our Christian life does not begin with us pursuing God. Our Christian life begins with our great God, Pursuing us. Christianity. Christianity doesn't start with an invitation that we offer to Jesus. Christianity begins with an invitation that God offers us through Jesus to be adopted into his family. So, as we continue then to look at horizontal examples of, uh, of adoption, we want, us to, we want them to teach us about our vertical adoption. And what makes it necessary? What, what makes adoption necessary is something that we need to think about a little bit. What makes it necessary for kids to be in the foster care system before they're adopted? And I want to, in, in answering that question, I want to clear up a, a common misunderstanding. Um, I think it is somewhat commonly misunderstood that kids that are in what we sometimes refer to as the system, that kids that are in the foster care system, I think a common misunderstanding is that they're there because they're bad kids. And that's just not true. The kids that are, that's the juvenile system. The juvenile system is where kids are making bad choices, they're doing bad things, and they need some help. The foster care system is kids, yes, yes, they may have behavioral trouble and they may may be getting into some trouble and they may have lots of grief that they need to be, be working through and be helped with. But kids in the system, in the foster system, are not there because they're bad kids. They're there because they've had bad things done to them or they've experienced bad things. They're coming out of trauma. They've experienced these difficult things. Our, our, our adoption care w- worker that we worked with was so good about reminding us that kids are not removed from healthy families. 
Kids are not removed from, from situations that are okay. They need foster parents, foster families, or adoptive families because of what they've been through. And what they've been through has often been shaped by things like this, either the, especially with their biological families, their parents. They've experienced things like drug abuse, domestic violence, teen pregnancy, poverty, incarceration, death. And, and those traumas have put kids then in a position where they are suffering from things like physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, medical neglect, abandonment. In general, these kids are, not, are sadly not cared for, not protected the way that kids need to be loved, cared for, protected by their parents. So why do I bring all that up? What does that have to do with us? What about us? Where were all of us Christians before God rescued us? Where were all of us before God rescued us? Look at the screen at Ephesians 2. This is where we were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And about a verse later, it says that we were by nature children of wrath, deserving of God's wrath poured out on sin. This is where we were. This is the trauma, if you will, the circumstances that all of us, apart from Jesus, found ourselves in. In other words, I got, I got some little reality check news for you. In other words, we were not simply cute, cuddly babies left on a doorstep to be adopted. We were evil, rebellious, undeserving, broken, and traumatized by our sin. All of us apart from Christ. That's where we were. Dead in our trespasses and sins. By nature, children of wrath. Let's contrast that then with this next verse on the screen, John 1, verse 9 and following. Let's contrast that idea of being sons or children of, of disobedience, of children of wrath with this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. There it is again. Merry Christmas, Faith Church. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But... To all who did receive him, who believed in the name of Jesus, God gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will or of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. By God's great love and mercy and grace, children of wrath can become children of God. And this passage we just read makes it clear, look at that last part, 
We don't become a child of God by our physical birth, who we were born to, where we were born. We don't become a child of God by our ethnic descent. We don't become a child of God by human effort, by trying hard. It is only God's supernatural work that makes us his kids. It's by God's love and grace and mercy that children of wrath become children of God. And so then, how great is it then that we get to celebrate this at Christmas time? That at Christmas time, we can be reminded that God sent forth his Son. That our hope is Jesus. That our hope is because Jesus is light in the darkness. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons, Christians, through Jesus, you are a chosen daughter, a wanted son. Adoption is an act of God by which he makes us members of his family. And so, that being true then, I want us to just think about two things that are true because God adopts into his family. Because adoption is an act of God by which he makes us children of God. Let's, I want us to look at these two things that are realities about being in God's family. And number one is this. Number one is we get to relate to, can you, can you just even begin to fathom this? That we get to relate to the God of the universe as good, loving Father. That because of adoption, that because adoption is an act of God by which we become members of his family, number one is that God is our good, loving Father. These past three years have not been about Amy and I and, and, and what we're doing for these kids. For me, the last three years have been so much more about what God is teaching Amy and I about how good and loving of a father he is to us. Because as I see, because as I see what my kids need in a father, I'm so thankful for what God has done for me and the father that God is for me. So we have, first we have this privilege of, of speaking to, relating to, being in relationship with the God of the universe as, as Father. Uh, what, when Jesus taught us to pray, what did he teach us to pray? Did he teach us to pray to, oh God on high apart from us who doesn't really care what his kids are doing? When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, Father who is in heaven. In our Galatians passage we've been looking at, when it says, God, when the fullness of time come, God sent forth his son for adoptions, to adopt us to sonship. Then the next verse says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. There's an intimacy there. When you become a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God lives within you and enables you to cry out, Abba, Father. Not, Almighty God on high apart from us. But the intimacy of relating to God as Father, Daddy. 
And that verse continues and says, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, an heir. And if a son, then an heir through God. So we have, not only do we have freedom from the power of sin, that, that would have been amazing enough. I already said this, but let me just go back there again. That would have been an amazing enough about our salvation. Freedom from the power of sin. Are you with me? But he says, not only are that, but an heir, a son. Not only freedom from the power of sin, but relationship with God. Um, let, me, let me ask you to do this. A uh, little, little mini homework assignment here. In the coming days and weeks, when you have an opportunity to read God's word, I hope that you'll be reading God's word, and in particular in the coming days and weeks, I hope you'll open the Bible to the story of that first Christmas, of Jesus coming to be with us. And as you read through those passages, and as you read the Bible anywhere in your Bible, I want you to have some of these things that we're learning now in mind, because what I have found is that having learned about the doctrine of adoption, what I'm finding is that, 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 that the whole family, children of God, it's everywhere in God's word. It's so clearly part of what God wants us to learn. And the first part is that God is our good father. I said that he's our good, loving father. So what, why good? Good because God is always good, because his purposes are good, because he cares. Throughout the scriptures, we see that God is the God who cares like a good father, who understands like a good father, who gives good gifts. And yes, even as a good father who disciplines. It's not always what we're most excited about, about a father, right? But the Bible reminds us that God disciplines who? Those he loves. And we know that a good father disciplines because he loves. And so we have an opportunity as we parent to disciple our children, to help them know and follow Jesus, to use dis discipline as not what we sometimes think of discipline as. Sometimes I think we've gotten discipline wrong and we think of discipline only as consequences for behavior or consequences to change behavior or consequences for disobedience. But discipline really at its heart, the root of discipline really is to teach, to train. And so what if, what if our, the discipline of our children looked like discipling our children? What if dis uh, discipline of our children was disciple-making, helping them to know and follow Jesus. That's what our good Father does for us. That's what our Heavenly Father does for us. God is a good Father. God is a loving Father. Parents, I think we, um, again, if you're a parent in here, I think sometimes we think we know what it looks like to be a loving parent. But if you're anything like me, my understanding and the way I operate as a parent is marred by the presence of sin. We live in a broken world, a fallen world, and, um, and I am not perfect. And so I think that if not careful, if I am not depending on God, I think my default mode for loving my children is conditional love. Love where when you are behaving poorly, I withhold my love. Love where... Uh, you don't match up to my standards, your words or actions are not what they're expected to be, so I am making it clear that I am disapproving of you. Conditional love. My children certainly do not always 
earn my love with their behavior. But then I realize that my words and actions don't earn the love of my Father in heaven either. But God pursues and loves, and my Father in heaven hasn't turned his back on me. So I'm sure thankful that God loves me unconditionally. Because as he loves me unconditionally, he is teaching me how to love my children unconditionally. Because adoption is an act of God by which he makes us members of his family. And so we have, number one, we have a good, loving father. And the other thing that's true about a, because of our adoption is that as God's kids, we are members of one family. Because of our vertical adoption, because God adopts into his family, we have a good, loving father. And because we are his kids, we are all members of one family. Um, have, have you heard the language in, in Christian circles or in your New Testament reading? Have you heard this, the language like uh, referring to other Christians as brother in Christ or sister in Christ? Well, I'll admit that I have sometimes felt that language to be a little bit old school. And so I don't always know if that's what I want to, you know, should I use that term? Do I want to refer to my friends as brother in Christ? I, I, sometimes I thought that was a bit um, archaic, maybe a little silly, but... That language in the New Testament of how to refer to fellow followers of Jesus is not insignificant. You know why? Because it's family language, right? Because it's family language. Um, and so we need to check ourselves and ask, do we really see our fellow followers of Jesus as family? Look at 1 Timothy, this verse in 1 Timothy. How do we re, um, interact with fellow followers of Jesus? Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him. So in regard to our fellow Christians, how do we interact with older men? Encourage um, as, as you would a father. What about with younger men? As we treat them like brothers. What about older women? We treat them as mothers. What about younger women? We treat them as sisters. And so there's this family sense. And it's throughout the scriptures that in, because of Christ, because we are adopted into God's family, we have a good, loving father, and we have, we have, as his kids, we have one big family. And so, um, based on those things, based on so many places in our scriptures, um, let me just, let me give you four things that I adapted from a book called When the Church Was a Family by Joe Hellerman. And I want us to look at these real quick and say, uh, is this how we is this how we interact with, relate to our church family? One, we share our stuff with one another, our things, our belongings. That's the way family is. Is that true within church family, within fellow followers of Jesus? We share our hearts with one another. We need to know others and be known by them. That's family. Number three, we stay, embrace the pain, and grow up together. If we're family, then at the first time, sense of discomfort, at the first sign of something a little aside from what our top preference, we stay. We commit. We work it out. We see what God has for our growth by staying 
and committing and growing up together. And number four, family is more than me, the wife, and the kids. I think in our culture, we've become very um, family-centric and, and, and protect this when what God has given us is all of our fellow followers of Jesus, a community to live in, relationships to be had and enjoy and be cared for by one another. Adoption is an act of God by which he makes us members to our family, of his family. So what's adoption have to do with you then? Can you tell I love this stuff? This stuff is just, it's changed everything about my understanding about God. And so I just so want you to, um, to study the Bible and to be encouraged by this as well. So what does adoption have to do with you? Well, first, I want us to think about this here at this time of year. Christmas is often a time for human family. And, um, and if you have human family around of some form or fashion and you enjoy them at Christmas time, that's great. But I, I want to remind you I want to remind all of us, I don't want you to forget that church is your family too, that followers of Jesus are family as well. So particularly if your earthly experience means difficult family things with difficult biological family or, or difficult you know, friends or things that are going on in your life, as we, have, as we celebrate Christmas and as we think of it as a time for family, you do have family. Yes, you get to hang out and celebrate with biological family, but you have other family. So don't underappreciate, don't miss out on the family that God has created for you. You are not alone. And um, even more important than that, some of you uh, may be here this morning and you have not yet become part of God's family. My prayer is that you would know my prayer is that you would, this is why Faith Church exists, is if you are not part of God's family, we pray that you would know that you have a good, loving Father in heaven. And that Father is pursuing you. You are wanted. And he offers to adopt you into his family. And he's made that possible by sending forth his son, Merry Christmas, Faith Church. He sends forth His Son, and in Jesus alone is found abundant life, real life, real, true, meaningful life now and life with Him eternally. Because God sent forth His Son and desires that you would come into relationship with Him. So if you understand this morning that you cannot do it on your own, if you are understanding that you are apart from Him, Perhaps today is the day of your salvation. Perhaps today is the day you will entrust yourself to Jesus. Perhaps you will say, I can't do it. I can't match up. Father, I need you. And give your life to him. We would love to talk with you about that. We would love to help you begin following Jesus and become part of God's family. Because of Jesus, because of the sun coming into the world, because light has come into darkness, you can go from being a child of wrath to a child of God.
I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray. Oh, Lord. Oh, God, our, our good and loving Father in heaven, we come to you now. Father in heaven, may our hope be in Jesus this Christmas. Father God, we are reminded at this time of year, we are thankful at this time of year because you sent forth your Son. And so, Lord, we thank you for his life, death, and resurrection that rescues. Father, we thank you this morning that through Jesus we are adopted into your family. We praise you that in your grace and mercy you pursue children of wrath and make them children of God. Father, I pray this morning for those who need to be adopted into your family. I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray that you would help them to know your great love for you, that you would reveal to them your presence in their lives. I pray that they would surrender to you today. And God, we pray as a church family this morning, we pray too for those that are in need of horizontal adoption. The many in our community and in our state and our country and across the world who need a family. And God, I pray that you would use Faith Evangelical Free Church to be conduits of your love to the least of these, to the orphan, to the widow, to the disenfranchised, to the foreigner. God, to all who need your love, would you work in and through our church family. Father, we are thankful that we are adopted. Help us to live with our brothers and sisters in Christ as family and with you as our good, loving Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God has done for us starts by celebrating at Christmas that God sent forth his Son, that we might be adopted into his family. Friends, I am far from perfect as a father. I love my kids. And what about our perfect Heavenly Father then? He loves you. If you are in Christ, you've been adopted into his family. If you're not in Christ, he loves you and wants to adopt you into his family. And so adoption is perfect for Christmas because God sent forth his son that we might be adopted into his family. Amen.